standing to honor our gospel reading for this morning, which comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 31 through 33 and 44 through 52. Hear now these words from the book of Matthew. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Then Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down and put the good into baskets but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be found pleasing in your sight. In the name of Jesus, who is our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Refuge and abundance in the kingdom of heaven. When I began to work on this sermon a few weeks ago, I think I worried some of my older, uh, actually, I should not say older, more seasoned colleagues. <laughs> Nina and Kathy, more seasoned. Nina and Kathy came up to me over lunch or in the office, and they put a hand on my shoulder and said, be careful. And I took that seriously, and so um, I remember I'm wearing too many robes to show you my tattoos this morning. I'm not going to do anything too crazy because that would be unbecoming of a young minister preaching his first Sunday sermon here in this pulpit at Highland, which I do not take for granted, and it is a privilege and blessing to be with you and to share some good news with you this morning. I did get my rebellion out, though, because I like to frequent a coffee shop where some of our more um, legalistic brethren like to study scriptures and talk in Bible studies, and so I couldn't help... Um, My notes included things like metaphorical understanding of scripture and women's equality. And smiling to myself, I looked around and thought, they're not going to like this. (laughs) So I got my rebellion out there doing that, working on uh, on my sermon um, there. But this is my home, and so I can be honest with you, and I don't take that for granted. And with that, we know in our scripture, and you'll remember even from last week, that Jesus 
likes to tell stories. And he likes to tell parables. Now, these don't have formulaic meaning like you might find in mathematics. They lend themselves to interpretation or metaphorical understanding or reading more into it than we might find at first. All ministers do this sort of interpretation. I'm just telling you on the front end that you might give me some grace because this morning, even though this text is familiar, no doubt you have heard of this mustard seed and not just here but elsewhere about what bread can teach us about the kingdom of heaven, I want to suggest some emphasis that is mine, which is this. The kingdom of heaven is refuge and shelter and abundance, even for a thief like me, especially for the marginalized, but for all people. The refuge and shelter come from the mustard seed, which immediately we have to do some interpretation for how can a shrub be the symbol of refuge and welcome. But it says in our text, nonetheless, that this small seed grows into a shrub, which is a tree, and all the birds of the air find refuge and shelter in it. And there we have our refuge and shelter, the abundance, a single woman making bread. Now, it does not say specifically that she was making a slice of bread, and commentaries might suggest that she was making enough bread for a feast. So, bread that is not too little, but more than enough. Abundance. Now, the even for a thief part, this is the most controversial part of my reading of Scripture this morning, which Kathy Belcher was right to point out on Friday night, and then we talked about it some at KRM Live in the park last night. But it's ambiguous where it says, a certain individual found a treasure in a field that was not his, and then he engages in some activities which lead in him selling some things and coming back and buying that same field. So it's up for us to decide what that means, but this morning I would suggest that that guy is a thief. And that's actually me reading myself into the text, which I'll return to later. Now, as for the kingdom of heaven being for all people, especially the marginalized, but all, you'll notice that once again the fish imagery comes up, right? Not unfamiliar, but it doesn't say that they were fishing for trout, like my grandfather. My grandfather's a trout fisherman. It says that the net was cast and fish of every kind were caught. So let's stick with that for now. So the kingdom of heaven is refuge and shelter and abundance, even for a thief like me, especially for those left out, but for all people. The kingdom of heaven. Now Jesus tells us these things in stories and parables And sometimes we experience things in life that strike us such that we feel it deep in our bones and in our chest that we can't help but share it with other people. And so I have a story that I want to tell you, a parable even. You'll know, many of you, that we just returned from Touching Miami with Love. Fourteen of us went, youth and chaperones, and we went and we worked alongside Touching Miami with Love, putting on a summer camp for 150, 160, 170 campers. Now, there are many parables I could tell you about this trip. I could tell you parables of Jack Bell or of Lily Williams or Olivia Nesbitt. I could tell you parables of the poems we read to center us each morning, one of which is actually found on the front of your bulletin. I could tell you parable, the parable of what it means to make food with your hands and eat it together around a dinner table each night and how Christ-like that is. 
and many other parables still. But the parable I want to tell you is the parable of Paxton and Caroline. Now, they're probably going to laugh from the back row because I've accidentally made them famous this morning via sermon, but the parable of Paxton and Caroline is important. Paxton is a junior. Caroline is a senior youth in our community, longtime members of our youth community and our church. Many of you will no doubt recognize them. Caroline's language is love and compassion. She is honest about her feelings and her emotions, and she loves God. Paxton is kind of what the youth refer to as their youth mom, because she cares for all of the youth and pays attention to make sure we're doing what we're supposed to do. And we need, everyone needs moms sometimes, and Paxton helps us when we need even more momming, right? And so Paxton and Caroline, with Leah Dolan's support, Leah, who's back here in the choir, also with us uh, at Touching Miami with Love, their job was to teach Bible study, which we called Devo Time. Now, I should mention that we didn't know that we were going to have as many campers, K through 8th grade, as we did, and so... Um, 170, that means split up. If you've ever worked with young people, you know, or actually with any people, it's hard to get 40 adults to pay attention to you. So imagine then 40K through second graders or third through fifth graders or our rock star class of fifth through eighth graders, right? Paxson and Caroline taught Devo time and I didn't give them all the answers. I gave them the scripture I would like them to use, which had to do with our theme, And I gave them some suggestions, but operating out of who they are as individuals, naming their strengths and weaknesses, honestly, so they would know how to work in concert with each other, they made the lessons their own, incorporating their own elements, and it was amazing. I wish I could show you a picture, but uh, the view of a classroom with their eyes fixed on Paxson and Caroline as they were sharing the stories of their faith, honestly being themselves, The kingdom of heaven is like this, shelter and refuge and abundance, even for a thief, especially for those who are left out. Now, this is important because Paxton and Caroline were not ministering to and for. They were ministering with and alongside the young people of TML, and there's a big difference there. Because of the way that they did this ministry for this week, they created a safe and authentic environment. They drew our refuge, which is our youth community at Highland, near enough to the refuge that TML already provides. Those two were drawn near to each other such that we all experienced the embrace of God. Second to last day, the story they taught about was the story of Jesus on the boat, and there was a storm. And you all might remember that story. And Jesus calms the storm, but it's a really helpful story for thinking about our own lives. And Paxson and Caroline and Leah were able to create such an environment that young people, both campers and staff, stood and shared their storms with each other. Now, I will tell you that doesn't happen without authentic and honest and prolific leadership. And that's a hard thing to do over a long period of time, but because of who they are and because of who TML is. They created that kind of space and people shared their stories. Even some which allowed TML to better serve certain young people in their community in very crucial ways. 
So the kingdom of heaven is this, refuge and shelter and abundance, even for a thief like me, especially for those who get left out, but for all people. We know because of who TML serves, these are not, uh, and we know the kingdom of heaven is not full of white people like me. Black and brown faces, children with families tied to Central and South America, um, from all over the world in our country, all together. Refuge and shelter, we know in our political climate that they experience things that are hurtful from politicians to our rhetoric um, on the news and in their schools. Refuge and shelter, abundance in that classroom, the joy and the laughter and the movement, even though the classroom might have been too small, their hearts were not. And so there was abundance there. Now, even for a thief, here's where we have to do some explaining, and I will make an admission to you. So on the first day, I didn't mention, I don't think, that I wasn't positive. I I thought we were going to have about 70 campers on Sunday, but then we found out otherwise. It would be 160, 170. And so the first day was a little bit chaotic, to say the least. And it was amazing, but it was pretty wild. And in my weakness, sometimes when I am stressed or things are chaotic, I tend to assert myself too much. And minister two and four, not with and alongside. And so the day was still pretty good, but not like it should be. And after dinner, I think, maybe before, they'll help me remind or help me remember in the back. Um, but Sophia Smith came up and she said, you know, we need to talk. And Sophia and I have a good relationship where we trust each other, we're honest with each other. We don't agree on everything, but Sophia knows that I believe in her and I believe in youth, in our youth. And so she said, uh, you messed up. This is our mission trip, and we are here to lead. And Sophia was right, and I could tell also by all of her colleagues gathered behind, behind her. Um, they were right. And so that night, um, Tyler and Leah and Raleigh, my brother who was with us, they'll tell you we put our heads together as chaperones and we fix things. And the youth led like they should have, and they were amazing all week. Shelter and refuge and abundance, even for a thief. I stole the opportunity for our youth to lead on the first day. They showed me grace, and things were as they ought to be, even for a thief like me, especially for the marginalized and those who are left out, but for all of us, actually. Now, the parable of Paxson and Caroline does not come out of nowhere. And it's important for me that we contextualize this parable in Highland's history And another confession, this is a big confession Sunday, I suppose, Um, but like any good student of Bill Leonard, I read church history to relax. Um, And so I've picked up the book that Peter Smith wrote about our church history from its earliest beginnings, and it is amazing. I'm not kidding. Did you know? I've been walking around this week. Did you know? Did you know? Then in 1965, we had a coffee shop called Open Dialogue with other local organizations, and we had, we were cool. We had (laughs) folk music and poetry and jazz on Friday nights. Pretty cool. And I think a church member owns and has a business in the building between Stevens and Stevens and Dragon King's Daughter. That's the building. Connection there. You might also be interested to know that there was a controversial minister from Texas, I believe, which would be appropriate, right? (laughs) Who resigned amidst controversy, which we know because of the words of Carolyn Hoeing, who was an early church historian, and in her telling, 
The stories are ambiguous. We don't want to tear Leonard Doolin's reputation asunder, even though he resigned amidst controversy, but he was known for the vulgar practice of riding a motorcycle. In 1911. (laughs) So parts of our history are funny and they are hilarious, and I've told everyone so far, and I'm going to tell you because it's true, it's because we're funny and hilarious and interesting, right? Parts of our history aren't so good. You take a, a largely white congregation and navigate a little bit far back enough, we'll find stuff that makes us uncomfortable. So there are parts like that, for sure. But then there's also stuff that we should be proud of and we need to remember. Why does this matter for the parable of Paxson and Caroline? Well, in 1984, Highland finally took up the question of women's ordination. And the parable of Paxson and Caroline is actually the gospel of women's equality. And we find in our church history that in 1984, I believe about three women were nominated to be deacons. And because we're a small Baptist church here in Louisville, Kentucky, I read about David Nakdeman, who was the deacon chair in 1984, who had this conversation I'm about to describe to you. He was in the 830 service, and we were able to talk about this right after the service. But this conversation is recorded between David and one of the women who was nominated. She said, you think I ought to just withdraw, just save all this trouble? And David said, well, it's up to you. Do you feel called to be a deacon? And she said, yes. And David replied, well, hang in there. And the note after says, and so she did. It's common to take our scripture and talk about the small seeds that though unknown at the time, grow into something beautiful. And so if you know history, you know that we can't reduce it to simple one-liners or to easy lines of explanation. It's not always so simple. But I think it would be lacking in faith not to see and recognize that from those conversations in 1984, the women who nevertheless persisted, though they had to see their equality played out in church politics and in committee meetings and put to a vote, In 1984, there is something that God has been up to between those conversations and the 33 years between then and the parable of Paxson and Caroline. God is up to something here at Highland. Now, the kingdom of heaven is like this, refuge and shelter, abundance, even for a thief like me, especially for the marginalized, but for all people. Now, that's well and good, but you might say, Reverend, you forgot the weird part at the end of the scripture. Because it starts to talk about angels and people getting thrown out and some fire and whatnot and even some wailing and gnashing of teeth. And I'm like, ooh, what are we supposed to do with that? Well, here's what we can't do. We can't ignore it. And we can't make the mistake. Many people um, who leave a formerly conservative way of thinking and start to interpret scripture, they um, hit this phase of relativism where it's like, you can, like, there aren't any rules. We can just do what we want. That was college for me, and so I've tried to, like, really bring it back from there. Some of you might remember a similar period, like, ooh, this is kind of fun. Freedom. Well, we do have freedom. And this passage does not tell us clearly who's in and who's out. As a progressive church, we know the danger of saying, you're in, you're out, here are the rules, because then we should start to be suspicious of the kind of kingdom of heaven that we're coming up with. But it does tell us think that how we act matters. We can't just do whatever we want. What we do 
matters. We have agency. Paul tells us elsewhere this morning that things work for good for those who believe. Well, that's true, Paul, but it's not the whole story. We have to do things and behave in such a way that what we do matters. And if we do, then the kingdom of heaven is like this, shelter and refuge and abundance, even for a thief like me, even for us when we make mistakes. We all make mistakes, especially for the marginalized and the left out. But for all of us, the kingdom of heaven is like this. Now, an important point I want to make is that part of the reason that I feel so strongly about the parable of Paxson and Caroline and don't take for granted those first conversations um, that I read, not first conversations, the 1984 conversations, which had decades of people doing the best that they could before then, I don't take that for granted because I think if we're honest, we know that sexism is a cultural problem that we have that's still very prominent in our society. And it's within that social context of women not being treated as equal, which is essentially to deny that women are human. That's what sexism is. It is against that stream against which Paxson and Caroline are swimming. And yet, the kingdom of heaven is refuge and shelter and abundance, even for a thief like me, especially for those who get left out, but for all of us. Men minister to and for as if we have the answers or ability to save others. That's what I did on Monday in an unhelpful way. But because our youth gave me grace, I was reminded of what it means to minister with and alongside. So why this random thought, maybe, about women's equality on this Sunday in July? Well, you don't only have to call your mom on Mother's Day, and you don't have to explicitly name how much you value the women in your life only when their livelihood is threatened in politics and in discourse. We can do it on other days, right? Personally, too, this is important to me because I know that when Carol hired me out of a hot making parking lot about five years ago that she saved my life. I know that Emily sat with me in grad school when I was in despair and didn't know what I wanted to do, and she was with and alongside me and just let me sit in it which is good ministry sometimes. I'm in ministry in front of you in this pulpit because I sat as an intern at a table with Carol and Emily and Renee and Nina and Kathy, and the way that they did ministry with and alongside as unique and gifted women let me know that there is something to this gospel ministry thing. I remember even further back the smell of the hospital lobby where my own mother took me And I would sit as she went to make a living and provide for our family and teach us what it meant to be right and wrong. But then my mom reminded me over dinner this week that I wasn't just sitting there by myself. There were women on the cleaning staff who watched and cared for me in those early mornings downtown before I walked to the Brown School. I have a visceral reaction to this sometimes. So it's like, I know I'm committed to nonviolence and everything like that, like I'm sure. But sometimes... When Lauren is told to calm down or be less emotional, I want to break stuff with her. So if you ever see us, like, putting stuff in the parking lot, smashing glass and whatnot, that's that's actually our healthy way of expressing our anger. (laughs) But then I also get really frustrated. We laugh, but it's serious. I get really, really frustrated and angry when I hear about the sexist things that our youth experience in school or when I hear about the young, gifted clergy, my colleagues who are also women, trying to find work 
in churches around the Southeast and in the Midwest, and they tell me their experiences. I think about my friends who are doctors and lawyers and teachers, and they are not crushed by these experiences because they are strong and powerful and amazing, but that doesn't take away from the fact that things are not as they ought to be. This kind of sexism, then, goes against everything I just told you about the kingdom of heaven. Sexism goes against everything the kingdom of heaven is about because it's born of exclusion and scarcity and the theft of dignity and the marginalizing of others. And I don't want to say that this is the only thing that we have to deal with. There are many isms at the intersection of injustice in American life today. But that's why we preach sermons every Sunday. So that bit in our... Scripture, which says what we do matters, reminds us that the kingdom of heaven is refuge and shelter and abundance, even for a thief like me, especially for the marginalized, but for all people. But we have to work long and hard for justice. We have to be humble and honest. I think, if I'm, if I'm being honest, the reason that I have such a visceral reaction to sexism is that I'm capable of it myself. I have allowed, at times in my life, a sexist society shape me into behaviors or thoughts or words that I recognize as immoral and embarrassing, but I acknowledge those, and that's why we have to be humble and honest. None of us are above reproach. We all make mistakes, but we're in this together, and that's good news. If we work together, if we are authentic, we minister with and alongside one another, we find that the kingdom of heaven is not some faraway reality. Some theology will tell you that you have to wait until you die. And that is some people's theology, but not mine. Because I've seen it in Miami, not just with Paxson and Caroline, but each of our youth and young people who ministered with and alongside and joy and abundance to create shelter and refuge for those who get left out of our thoughts and theology all too often. I've seen it here at Highland. I've experienced it at the staff table and in all different ministry areas and conversations with church members who can tell me our stories and our history, and the long work it's taken to get to where we are today. And so the kingdom of heaven is like this. It is refuge and shelter here at Highland. Some weeks you'll need it more than most, but I can promise you that you will need it. Refuge and shelter here at Highland. Abundance. Some days I wake up and I think, here we go, another one of these. And I feel like I don't have enough energy or enough time or enough inside me to get through the day, and yet we find, if we're committed here at Highland to finding God together, that there is abundance. We're not in this alone. Even for a thief like me, all of us will make mistakes. All of us will do things that we're not proud of, but that's okay because that doesn't exclude us from the kingdom of heaven, which is here and now. And the kingdom of heaven is especially for the marginalized. We can't forget that. Anytime our kingdom of heaven starts to draw too close to power, it loses some of its core identity, and we should distrust it. So our kingdom of heaven has to be especially for the marginalized, but for us too. We can't leave ourselves out, even if we don't consider ourselves marginalized. Some of us are not as marginalized as others, but we're included too. But that means we have to work. So the kingdom of heaven is like this, refuge and shelter and abundance, even for a thief like me, especially for the marginalized and for all of us. The kingdom of heaven is like this, 
two young people who have grown up in this church finding God and ministry with and alongside, not two and four, because of seeds sown not just between 1984 and now, but in the decades before, and the seeds, there are seeds that we're sowing now. The kingdom of heaven is like that, two youth being the people that they are called to be, sharing the love and abundance of Christ with a diverse community in Miami, but also with everyone that they meet. May we look to them in the days ahead to remind ourselves of what it looks like when resurrection and joy break through, in small ways and in big ways. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.